0: The Everything Sequel Podcast is brought to you by Tuity Fitness and the Vegas Beer Guys. The Everything Sequel Podcast contains explicit
1: language. You have been forewarned.
0: James Book Club. The James Bond Book Club. We meet monthly to discuss a James Bond book over cocktails. But there's no time to dissect James Bond literature when the first Bond film in six years is in cinemas. This October, we've foregone our monthly meeting and partnered with the Everything Sequel podcast for a special crossover episode, which we're calling No Time to Digest, where we talk about No Time to Die as both a sequel and an adaptation. I'm Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, and joining me from a disputed island somewhere between Japan and Russia, or Pacific <laughs> Beach, California, is my co-pilot on this weird CGI biplane, Michael Shantz from the How Dare You Awards. Come on, Shantz, where are you? Hello! Hello, Shantz, I've missed you! <laughs>
1: How are you
0: oh, I'm doing uh, I'm doing fine. how are you
1: I'm fantastic hello and welcome to uh, everyone joining us for this uh special crossover extravaganza spectacular Don't hype it up too much <laughs> I'm just thrilled to be here
0: yeah yeah you've uh you've got a kind of airline pilot quality about you. This, no. I, I don't know if that's a specific reference to the... Um,
1: I'm in the closet, as it were.
0: In the closet. Well, uh, I normally have a, a cocktail um, from the book we're reading. The best I can do today is apple slices and Heineken. <laughs> <laughs> those are, well, those, first of all, I should say, if you haven't seen the movie, we're going to be dropping some major spoilers. So, um, you know, abort and then rejoin us when you have seen the movie. Please. Um, as always, I'm here in the uh, Teresa de Vincenzo Memorial Library. Of course. All, all stories about a man called Bond, James Bond, come with a complimentary audio cassette of Louis Armstrong's we have all the time in the world. Um, <laughs> and we're calling this episode No Time to Digest because these are our raw, unfiltered reactions uh, yes. to the film. I've seen the movie once. I haven't read any reviews I talked to nobody about it yet. Um, Mike, I believe you (laughs) saw the movie last night. I did. And uh, I have a general impression of how... Of what the consensus is Mm -hmm. about the movie. Uh, It's been generally well received. I I think that's fair to say. Um, But I know no more than that what people think about uh, the movie uh, on a micro level. Um... But it, it, as No Time to Digest is also a, an appropriate title, I think, because I can say with some certainty, this is the most bloated bomb film of all time. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. I, I know. I mean that. I it, can tell. Just descriptively, everything in this movie takes a bit longer than you expect it to, than it needs to. All right. Okay. Here's my hot take. Oh, excellent. We're going in hot, people.
1: You're not wrong. Mm. But my response is, I don't care. Mm. This James Bond film felt like the David Lean version of a James Bond film.
0: Which ironically is not Lean at
1: all. Right, exactly. I mean, it felt like an opus. It felt like an epic conclusion to one man's Bond.
0: Not uh, one man Bond, my solo show. Uh... (laughs) I put it on the T for you. (laughs) You did indeed. Um, (laughs) And I'll just say... That's done in an hour, so if you did think this movie was too long, <laughs> this might be the better option for you. Um, okay, so, well, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was hoping, because I, I thought we'd agree, disagree uh, about a bunch of different things, but I, I wanted to try and get some consensus up front about the length of the movie, but it seems like that might not be possible. <laughs> I mean would you would you agree that this film is simply too long for what it's supposed to be? Yes. Okay. okay. But I don't care. But you don't care. That's fine. And 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 I probably care more than you, but it's not a deal breaker for me. And the only, honestly within the movie itself, the only like
1: you, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that every scene could have been a little bit shorter, but the only time literally that I felt that and, and, and was giving it conscious thought was in the forest.
0: Right. Yeah. When one Madeline's at, one at, kidnapped. The whole, what, the, the, there was that that scene shouldn't be there, or that that scene was too long. Too long. Okay.
1: It's like, okay, she has to be kidnapped, but we, I mean, we could have done that back at the house. <laughs> You no, know, it was just uh, it was just uh, uh, you know it was there to give us one more set piece of of driving for a movie that already had a set piece of driving. So a lot of driving, yeah, yeah.
0: crystal skull amounts of driving. I'd say. <laughs> Again, not pejorative, um, right. just descriptive. <laughs> that's gonna be my, that's gonna be my fallback position on everything here because uh let's talk gut let's talk gut reactions
1: because i
0: you know when you've when you've seen the movie as recently as we both have and we've only seen it once i think that's a really good place to start um yeah give me give me give me gut reactions you know words phrases that that sum up how you felt
1: my gut reaction one If I'm going to write a slug line to my review of this movie, it would be no time to die worth the wait.
0: Wow. Well, there you go. There's your Heineken. uh, (laughs) Heineken did an (laughs) ad with Daniel Craig that uh, very much used that slug line. Uh, Did you know that? Oh, is that right? No. (laughs) It's him. It's him in a bar waiting for the head on his Heineken to settle. And then he That's drinks great. it, and then it comes. It says, "You know, Heineken worth the wait." Obviously, a reference well, to the fact that this movie has taken two years longer to come out than uh, to come than, out. Right? Yeah, we expected. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm. Worth the wait. That's a great one.
1: For uh, me, yes. Okay. I. Well, go ahead. No, no I got you, more to can, say, but but I've please, got, I've got
0: two big reactions. So you can give me another one if you want. So we have parody. I
1: couldn't get to sleep last night. I liked this movie so much.
0: Holy moly! Yeah, that's fascinating. Okay. Um. Well, you're, if you're for no other reason, be happy and, to and, know like, we're not going to cross over on our opinions. <laughs> all right.
1: That's what I assumed was going to happen. If I'm being honest. I thought we might disagree and argue about this.
0: I I hate the idea that I wasted some of your mental energy during the film with you thinking, oh, Tom's not going to like this. <laughs> and I bet I did, didn't
1: I? A little bit. <laughs> it was but like the ghost
0: of me was next to you. Fr- like, rolling his eyes. <laughs> okay.
1: Like, even during the cold open, <laughs> I remember having a conscious thought that was... That was, how could somebody not like this? Tom
0: has to like this. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I'll I'll, I'll give you my own teaser. Well, wait. I'll give you my own teaser. Can I say one more yes. thing? No, no, carry on. yeah.
1: This is the one more other thing one. that I want to add about this movie. The, what I like the most about this movie is that it is a James Bond film. And like, don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of the shallowness of James Bond movies and the character. Yeah. But what this movie had that other James Bond movies, for the most part, don't, unless you have, like, a one-off with Lazenby, but Mm. this movie had stakes. There are real stakes for him as a man and the people around him, and that makes it different than... Any other James Bond film, and that was the thing that started going through my mind during that cold open. Yeah, because that was a thing that the cold open had that no other cold opens have. Hmm. Usually,
0: well, that's I what did... I liked
1: about Goldeneye. Goldeneye raised the stakes. Oh, these guys are partners. Yeah, he he screwed them over. He you know. Yeah. Or at least you could understand why somebody would. Uh, be angry about setting off a a bomb earlier than it, than anticipated and planned for, <laughs> and yeah. that's what this movie had, and I fucking loved it.
0: There's there's a there's a little bit of a, um a myth that I think even I bought into that the purpose of a bomb cold open is to be a standalone mission, and when you mm-hmm. actually go movie by movie, there's one maybe two instances of that. The rest are all setups for the rest of the movie yeah yeah but it's interesting that you know even in my head that's what i'm judging a cold open against like how good good is it as a sort of standalone independent um mission right um and Apart from octopussy and goldfinger there's really no other i was gonna say
1: octopussy is definitely on that list
0: yeah, yeah. um so it's interesting it's interesting what you say about about stakes because it seems counterintuitive to think about that as a setup for the rest of the movie um but in the majority of bond films that's what it is so so when you 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 going by the logic of the series you should have stakes in that Mm -hmm. but even though it's only happened a couple of times it also works when it has zero stakes and it's just you know you complete a mission within you know a, a few minutes
1: let me try and get uh
0: yeah, we want to see as much as you pos- as possible. Yeah, exactly. Of course, of course. <laughs> I'm trying well, to give I'm... you
1: the best sound quality with the worst visual quality.
0: And I, and and I'm I'm the reverse of that, so we dovetail nicely. Fantastic. You're getting you you know you're getting literary sculptures. Yeah. You're getting poster <laughs> art. You're getting you know sartorial. Uh, whatever. Product placement. <laughs> Um, All right, so give me your yeah. Me your I do. Gut wanna, I don't want to leave side of. I, I, let's let's keep the the cold open tab open because I have a lot to say about that cold open okay. tab open. Um, <laughs> but I do. Yeah, I, I'll I'll go with gut reactions first. Uh, ambivalence. Oh, Tom. Uh, again, not pejorative. I there's a, there's a there's a there's a there's a lot of this movie I don't know how to feel about. There's a lot of this movie I like. That's all right.
1: I'll tell you how to feel about it.
0: (laughs) I know, apparently. (laughs) Um, And then there's a lot of this movie I don't like. So ambivalence accurately sums up how I currently, currently, back off, currently, (laughs) feel about it. (laughs) Not you back off, but, you know, people who are going to be like, why didn't you love it? You know. Um, And you'll be happy I modified this second one to be less pejorative. Surprise. Surprise. All right. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, but always surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking fuck! Um, What's the matter
1: with you? Do you I, don't have no heart? I don't know. I don't know. Do you have um, no soul? What's going on?
0: I've said. I've said literally zero, pretty much to anyone about this movie so far. <laughs> like I've said nothing out loud about it. The only thing is that. Um, I was talking to my my parents over Zoom the other day, and you know they said, "Oh, you went to see the bomb movie? How was it?" They couldn't care less, so they're probably not even remember what I'm, I say. So I felt fine, just sort of blurting out whatever came to my mind. And I said, Do "You know what I said? This is this is word for word what I said." I said, "You know, I don't know if I like bomb movies when they're good movies." <laughs> i hadn't even like articulated that in my brain but that's what came out because like you know if if i'm talking to you about it i i want to have at least you know process something so it it it, you know give you the respect of you mean
1: film school processed
0: no i mean like, like i mean i mean like i know you care about it my parents couldn't care less what about the movie or what i thought of it so it was just that. <laughs> and, you know, immediately I was like, oh, ha, ha, what a ridiculous thing to say. I think that might be the truth. No,
1: I think that's the I think that's a remarkable statement.
0: That's. I great. Think that might be the sad truth, because uh, I, and I don't I don't want to reopen the, the cold open tab right now. But I will say that the, the biggest thing on my mind while I was watching it was Octopussy. And why is this not octopus? <laughs> Basically, what, 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 why? Well, we'll talk about that when we talk about the cold open. But I just wanted to give you, give you a sense of you know, um, so yeah, those the, are my the batshit
1: crazy place you're coming from.
0: But I genuinely left the theater not not knowing how to feel and feeling like uh, nothing that had happened in the last two hours and forty three minutes. Um, just say that again two hours and 43 minutes um, I, I, i'll I, i'll give you that uh
1: longest bond movie ever
0: was what i was expecting yeah so the daniel craig era has given us the the, the shortest bond film ever and the longest bond film ever yeah That's interesting uh maybe they fell <laughs> maybe maybe i don't know maybe you know uh barbara broccoli and michael g wilson are just like you know um com- <laughs> they just couldn't couldn't rationalize it unless they you know they, they need the running times to be five movies <laughs> like on average maybe they're just uh... too you know too autistic about these things uh so yeah, anyway i, I didn't I, you know I, I i didn't know how to feel and i was pretty much taken aback by everything that i saw and again, I don't know how, I don't know what camp that belongs in, positive right. or negative yet.
1: I mean, I, I'm tempted to ask you to expand on that, but I suppose as we go
0: along yeah. through the
1: narrative, you will? Or what? how do you want to?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, but do some, let's do some everything sequel business. Mm-hmm. Is it a good film? Yes. Okay. I think it probably is. Not probably it fucking is. Wow. Okay. I think it probably
1: is. Uh... You're watching it wrong. It's a well-made <laughs> film. That's one of the things I was struck by. I think it. I think it's an amazing send-off. I think it's carefully constructed, uh, although too drawn out. That's not
0: carefully constructed, then.
1: Well, anyway, I guess I'm talking about the touches. I I love that. Again, spoiler alerts. But I
0: love that. Pierce Brosnan is the next Bond. Yeah, like I'm just trying to to fuck with people.
1: No, but I like seeing like the M's on the wall.
0: Well, you know, I M's. love you. You, I mean, do do you did you know? Oh God, I I can't I can't believe I, I'm trying to say something nice about the movie, and I'm going to release another controversial opinion. <laughs> I can't get out of this web of 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 vitriol. Um, Robert Lee is my favorite. What's Robert, Robert Lee? <laughs> uh, wait, what? <laughs> Robert Brown. Uh, Roger Moore and Timothy Dalton's M. Yes. Is my favorite M because he is a. he, it, Which is, you know, ridiculous. Everyone, Bernard Lee or Judy Dench, there's no in between. Robert Brown is my idea of what M is. It always was from the books. Um, I think he pairs with Dalton really well. He pairs with Moore really well, too. So the fact that it's him and not Bernard right, Lee. Right, right. Actually pleases me. Um. Yeah, that was a that was a great touch, but it was also a uh, a an like a an offbeat touch because you think your go to would be Bernard Lee. Yeah. In that situation. And it- but I I
1: mean I love that they did that. I love that we're saying goodbye to Felix Leiter. And he has. Well, uh, you know, not exactly a hero's send off, but but within the relationship between him and James Bond that sort of brotherhood Mm. um i really really loved so i love having you know the send off for him i love that uh towards the end we have a a james walking down the hallway and having the the cold open shoot you know point to the screen and shoot scene like all these touches that say goodbye
0: well a few, a few things about that. I, I think director Carey Fukunaga. it's safe to say is a big fan of the Dalton era mm. because within the, within the frame of this movie, he's brought back the Dalton Aston Martin. Yeah. Uh, Robert Brown, you know, Robert Brown, who is the kind of forgotten M like left out of everyone's narrative of the series. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know Felix Leiter and Bond, their uh, their relationship, their emotional connection. Yeah. Their, um, you know their affinity. You need to say brotherhood. Their actual, you know, their emotional affinity, which is yeah. you know the basis of license to kill. Um, right. So that's that's very that's very interesting to me, given that this is the final Daniel Craig film, and and those of us who who. Um, appreciate the dalton era know that this kind of the daniel craig's era was sort of riding on the idea that no one had ever attempted this kind of gritty uh like literary forward version of bond when of course dalton had done it yeah yeah right right so it's nice that the series is finally coming to terms with the fact that it was you know not the first people to do that and it never really kind of acknowledged that on screen before Mm-hmm. Which uh, which was, so yes, I, I absolutely, I really enjoyed um, all of that. I think my, my no, not problem, I don't want to be negative. In, in, the, in the Felix Leiter section. <laughs> Get out of here. So he Of course was, you're going to be negative. No, I'm not going to be negative. <laughs> I love Jeff, I love Jeffrey Wright as Felix Leiter. I love seeing him as, as Felix Leiter. As I was watching it, I thought, well, he hasn't had, he's not doing much, is he? And then in the back of my mind, I said, well, Felix never does anything right in any of the movies but i don't like to be made to think about that and i don't know why i'm thinking about that now like i've never thought about that before that he's essentially Passive. futile <laughs> but he really seemed extra futile here like he wasn't even the like head honcho in his own like cia double act yeah, but
1: I kind of liked that because I liked that uh Smiley Mcbaddy kept telling uh good moment.
0: That's a good that's a good joke. Yeah,
1: there you go. You know, kept telling the scientist that's enough now, stop now. And and it was almost like it was almost as though like Jeffrey Wright couldn't figure out why he was talking and kept saying, "Shut up." <laughs>
0: hmm.
1: And I liked, I kind of liked that dynamic of like he'd clearly gotten into bed with somebody at CIA that he didn't know well, and it was
0: the State Department as well, wasn't it? Or
1: yeah, yeah, I, yeah, something, some. Uh, but I could kind of see that at play, and I, I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did too. It just the, the, it was uh, a. <laughs> I d- I just I sort of wondered whether it was worth bringing him back just to die. Spoiler alert. It was probably too late for that, but no one really cares about Felix leider, you know even well, even, even uh, I've got I've got to mention some book stuff um, and we've got, even, we've got, even, got bigger I fish mean, to this- fry. Fleming dismembered him on his second appearance in the novel, so no one really cares about what happens to Felix.
1: <laughs> well, this movie made me care when he died. Great. And that's that's, you know, I think that's to the movie's credit.
0: I think uh, yeah. But, Jeff, Jeff, mm.
1: Well, I was just going to say maybe we should take a break and then we'll come back and and start diving deeper in, in into more no time to die
0: sure all right let's do that there's no no time no time left in this first segment i'll say
1: (laughs) all right we'll be right back right after this Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing for the James Bond Book Club, No Time to Die, a movie.
0: Did you say a movie? a movie a movie okay so we've talked about whether it's a good film or not there's consensus there I didn't think that's where there'd be consensus um is it a good Bond film because I feel like I can say no to this and I don't care like I I don't care what anyone says
1: well (laughs) so I was fully prepared for that exact question yeah uh, if, a- if anybody that says that this is not a good Bond movie, I-, I I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But my refrain again is, I don't, don't care. care. <laughs> like Tommy, I don't care. Tom,
0: you're Tommy Lee Jones at the top of the yep. dam. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and I'm Harrison Ford pleading with you for my life jump
1: <laughs> motherfucker well jump. I
0: mean it turned out well for him
1: <laughs> yeah but I got my man you didn't get your man no not only did I get my man I got his friend yeah, and but arrested gonna, him I'm too gonna blow
0: it, I'm going to blow it all over town that you took the cuffs off me in the car yeah, so plus I, I, sh-
1: I showed up the Chicago cops as well.
0: What, the guys from Hard to Kill? That's not hard. <laughs> That's what do you mean he did through, it for the money? The two, the same He's already cops. rich. <laughs> the same two cops yeah, from Hard to Kill.
1: If you need a cop from Chicago, it's those two guys. <laughs> Always. Even when Chicago is posing as Gotham. That's right. <laughs>
0: Anyway, here we are talking about the Bond film, No Time to Die. Okay, great. Well, uh, let's just leave it at that then, because we'll... we'll... Here's something... But that's
1: also one of the many reasons I love this movie, is because it chooses to do things that no other Bond movie
0: does. Yes. Often, however, there is a reason we do things a certain way in a Bond film. Yeah, And you have to provide a legitimate reason for not doing it that way. And I don't know whether this movie always did that. You're gonna have to be more specific with me there. I'll get more specific. Um, <laughs> he, here's here's something that that I thought about. Uh, <laughs> okay, so as as the when the movie was over, right? Uh, I heard like as the credits were fall it were rolling. Um, I heard someone behind me in the in the movie theater. Say, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, just report to his friend. Like, oh, yeah, it's the last one. The last one he's going to do. And then the, then the credits ended. James Bond will return came up, and he went, oh, maybe not. I, I mean, I was fuming. I was like, have you never seen one of these movies before? <laughs> but, right. then I, but then I thought, no, I'm, I'm the weird one here. The majority of people now don't know any, any other Bond than Daniel Craig and probably have not seen, like, past Skyfall. Like, that's the majority of most people's experience for that. So, whether it's a good Bond film or not, does it even matter? Is it a good Daniel Craig Bond film? Is all people care about. Yeah. And would you say it's a good Daniel Craig Bond film? Fuck yes. It's still at the lower end for me at the moment. No, well, that's craziness. I, it's never, it's definitely not going to top Casino Royale. No. No. And I have but, problems with that movie too. Um but I think I think that's the only movie it doesn't beat out for me. It's right on the line with Spectre for me. Oh, come on. And I think Quantum beats it. What? Quantum's the worst of them all. It's an it's like but it's just it's the same thing. It's like taking the same risk but it's over in half the time. <laughs> I mean, it's it's you know, and Specter. Think...
1: Here's my overriding note for Specter. For well, for starters, shitty cold open. <laughs> Terrible cold open.
0: But it understands need... it understands what a cold open is. Suppo- I do agree with you, but it understands what a cold open is supposed to be, which is Fine. a big tick in its column. Fine. I mean, you know, we don't need to see him wrestle a. a I don't need to see him choke out a helicopter pilot ever again.
1: I don't need to see him try to choke out a helicopter pilot eight times. (laughs) And then fall back and then do it again.
0: And, you know, it's not Touch of Evil. I don't need a continuous take.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: But, um, yeah, no, I I don't. Also,
1: my big overriding note for that movie. Why is it so fucking yellow?
0: Oh, Sam Mendy, Because Sam Mendy doesn't know what he's doing. Is my answer to that and everything in Skyfall, <laughs> but um, I yeah, like I, Skyfall. I, I, I don't know. I think the, the problem. You're I mean, on your own there. It's it's mid- middle to low right now for me. Um, but I had to see Quantum Solus a few times to to understand and respect it. So there's hope yet that it could. Obviously.
1: I only rewatched it. I think last year when COVID started and I watched all the Bond movies because, you know, I had the time. And... Now there's no time. Now there's no time, yeah. I I liked it more than I did on a first viewing. On a first viewing, I thought
0: it was awful. It's really just, just, you know, and and you can say that quality is the difference. But I do find it interesting that from the general sense i've got about what people like about this movie is that there is that their expectations are subverted um, and that was exactly what people disliked about quantum of solace like yeah, right. of the letter yeah um, it's just really funny it's just like context changes everything this movie came out 2 years ago would would there would there be more of a kind of like, well, it's not my bond kind of reaction to it? Like I don't I don't know. It's just everything's a crapshoot with release structure. Like, you know what we've said on the on the podcast about, you know, if solo had to come out at a different time, people would have had a different opinion of it. If you know, if if it yeah. didn't come straight after Last Jedi and was released really, and it's sort of like People's thirst right now for, um. I don't people's people's thirst for it is different than it would have been if it came out on schedule. But anyway.
1: Well, I don't know that that's true because, like, it only had a fifty-six million dollar opening.
0: Yeah. Well, and, worldwide. And when it'll, it, when we, Venom worldwide will do fine, but yeah, in America, it's worldwide
1: a it'll muted, do fine. Yeah. But this you movie had a budget of two hundred and fifty million dollars. So you you know, and yeah. when Venom took in ninety million dollars just the week before, you know everybody over at James Bond thought, What the fuck? We don't have enough James Bond fans to push beyond fifty million dollars? Like that must have been a disappointment. Yeah. But I am would- here to tell you go see this movie. Yeah, you should go see, see it in a movie theater.
0: If, I if, fucking if, love it. If you're questioning whether you need to go to the bathroom beforehand, the answer is yes. That's my only. <laughs> that's my. Oh, that's the only reservation I'm gonna have. But yeah, go and see it. I mean, you will get you will get something that is worth uh, most most of your time. Get out. I'm sorry. I I one day I will be able to say definitively how I feel, but right now, it's um. It's interesting. Uh, t- I tell you what it I'll tell you what it did remind me of in the Bond canon. Uh, this is something I can say definitively. This really felt like all the last movies in an actor's tenure playing Bond. Yeah. Like. So what are those? They are Diamonds Are Forever. Well, if you discount Never Say Never Again, but you can actually apply most of the same arguments to that. Uh, View to a Kill. View to a Kill. Die Another Day. See, but I
1: I think it's a little different, because, say, with a View to a Kill and especially Die Another Day, you know, like, a a lot of times what happens with Bond movies is you're either too old or you made such a piece of shit movie that somebody says... Look, it's time to go.
0: Yeah. Or or 9-11 happened as well. Right, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: Whereas this movie felt so purposefully saying goodbye. Yeah. In a way that those other movies don't to me.
0: I would agree with you if he didn't retire twice a movie, but yes.
1: Right, 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 right. I mean, he's he's always coming back from retirement within this series. But that was another thing that I thought was really smart about this movie that I really liked. He actually had left. Somebody else is 007 now. He even looks his age. I mean, there are moments where you have a straight on shot of him and you're you starting to get that Roger Moore vibe.
0: I got that Roger Moore vibe a lot. Yeah. Um and
1: but I like that like it's it's part of the narrative, it's part of the character. They're they're referencing it, they're talking about it. You're gone, you're like, what are you doing back? We don't need you. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Uh as opposed to Roger Moore just you know, like like climbing the fucking Golden Gate Bridge at
0: 90. like. Did, first of all, he, he didn't climb it as some sort of, like, you know, <laughs> sport. He fell out of a zeppelin. I know, but still. <laughs> I, if, if, even if I was in my, I don't know what age is that movie, 80s, Um, I would would still. He would would not have
1: the the forearm and hand strength to hold on to the line of that zeppelin, to be able to get on the the
0: Golden Gate Bridge, like. Well, his hairpiece would have definitely gone. Uh, Yeah. so, but but I mean, I I do I do agree with like I do agree with that that it's the first time that narratively the idea of Bond being past his best has mattered beyond. Like
1: lip service.
0: Yeah, they usually yeah. give it lip service. Even in Never Say Never Again, with a, with you know, like, what right. the movie is about a, a, reti- a sort of bond a, approaching retirement for one last mission. They don't even really lead into it then. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I did like that. But what I meant more about the last movie in the series is mostly to do with bizarre science. Like, all those movies. Turn up the bizarre science elements to eleven. See, but I love this evil plan. But you got to admit, nanobots is up there with the diamond satellites and the uh, you know the DNA replacement therapy. I think it's all like in 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 uh, in, um, in, kind. in idea maybe yeah in not kind, in but, degree, but in but, kind, but not in
1: not in how it's represented either because. The other thing I think there's a that bionic they...
0: eye in this film, Mike. On yeah, a question, yeah, but... <laughs> but running are... a global organization, I, 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 I can go along with the bionic eye. I'm not complaining. These are probably my most liked elements of the movie. I'm just saying, like, it's it's tempting to see this movie as an outlier, but when you go back through the canon. You can I'm actually saying, see like, that when you get to that last movie, they're a little bit like the tone is all over the place, just as it is in this movie. The science is bizarre. The storyline gets more absurd. There's something happens to the actors which turn, which makes them act in a really strange way. Like you can't predict what they're going to do, scene to scene, from scene to scene. <laughs> and I really did. I could not nail down what Daniel Craig was doing acting wise in this movie. Again, sometimes for the better sometimes for the worst. But that totally, that's Sean Connery in Diamonds Are Forever. That's Roger Moore in View to a Kill, Pierce Brothers and Die Another Day. They're, they're just, they're they lot—they're—they're they're beyond checked out. I think that's, like <laughs> Daniel Craig God. been checked out for the last two movies and now he's beyond that and it's just weird, random choices, like, splattered across the screen. And I, again, I, like, that actually gives well, me a you- That's one of the warm familiar feelings that i liked about this film when the bionic eye came out i thought finally something i can relate to (laughs) (laughs) hey i i I just i just want to say now how weird must that day that Christoph waltz did on set have been right yeah i want to see oh well oh no you lost your Even my past self is rejecting me. <laughs> um, How mad? Like, he only did like a day or a couple of days at Elstree.
1: Well, because there was some sort of weird thing where... Because we all know the famous story of, I think, if you're a James Bond fan, you know that at the end of Spectre... When he's doing press, somebody had asked him about another film and he's like, what? Wait, what? No, fuck that. And fuck this. And I, you know, it's like kind of a famous story about him saying, I can't even possibly imagine ever wanting to fucking do this ever again. Right. Uh, And of course, he came back and Christoph Waltz had always kind of maintained if Daniel's not in it, I'm not interested and then I think there was a weird thing of even, well, I think he's coming back. And he was like, yeah, I know, but I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. And then they came up with this idea of, like, you know, I assume they came up with this idea of, uh, they watch Gold only, Member. You only got to watch a couple, you only got to work a couple of days. It's <laughs> like,
0: okay, fine. They watch Gold Member. Yeah, right. Laid it all out for them. Um,. <laughs> But I just, like, i thinking, like, you know, he was only in there for, he was only coming back for a couple of days. It's like, okay, so sit in this room and act crazy. We need audio of you saying, like, crazy things, like Colonel Kurtz-level crazy things. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to come out in, like, a forklift truck. <laughs> See, and, I like, like and that. Sit there while Daniel Craig makes a bunch of weird acting choices. Well, you sit there and look at him and say "cuckoo." I mean, that sounds like a great couple of days.
1: Well, he's bringing back his specter shit. He's been he's been calling him cuckoo for. No,
0: I. I know. I just I just think it's like. So,
1: what's your problem with Daniel Craig? What What are his weird acting choices in that scene? Because it didn't strike me as, oh, okay. "Hey, that's weird." Well,
0: i i wanted I wanted that. I wanted there to be tension and. Fear oh, and he
1: and he was more lighthearted.
0: It wasn't even lighthearted. It was just like, "Hey, Blofeld, you're a man," and his arms started going crazy. Like, "You're a man, okay. and I'm a All man. Right. Come on!" But like, I think it's just a thing that happens to the Bond actors when they've been doing this for long enough. Something <laughs> kind of like. See, I thought I itself.
1: thought of it differently. I thought I th- I thought I saw because you're right in the sense of with the forklift and you know. <laughs>
0: I love that moment. I do too. I think it was. There was someone said something about a line like "special delivery" or something like that. It was. It was like a.
1: Did somebody say that?
0: All I know is because special delivery.
1: You can see that Madeline is kind of going crazy at that point with fear, up the tension of like Hannibal Lecter in his little box, ding 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 ding, coming towards you.
0: I think it's more like old man on a mobility scooter.
1: <laughs> but, but to me, I thought I saw Daniel Craig um, make a conscious choice to be, be, He's just trying to get the name. And so he tries to, he pops the balloon of tension to say,
0: you're caught. I thought so,
1: let's re- let's just have a chat.
0: It made well. See what it made sense to me when I thought about the dynamic between the dude and Walter in the Big Lebowski. So the, the <laughs> co the coens the coens wrote it really carefully that you know the dude is a chilled guy until he has to deal with Walter, and then he's this screaming enraged mech. Right, and I think that's what they were going for here. It's like Blofeld is is. Is uh, James Bond's Walter like he's you know he's uh, smooth and dry in every other situation, but when he has to be face to face with this guy, because it's you know it's his bro- it's his annoying brother. Yeah, right. Um, I just thought it's like I don't know what like there's there's millions of other ways you could have done that scene that would have been more interesting to me than again like. The brother thing fundamentally doesn't work. And I right. didn't like that they leaned back into it. They should have played that down because they're not brothers. Right. Dad just taught him to ski. That's, that's it. <laughs> right. That's okay? the they're extent not, not of it. They're not related. Really, like, in Blofeld's mind he's his brother because he's crazy as we see many examples of in this movie over and over and over i i want to see the the blu-ray extras that are just like the footage we got when we asked christopher waltz to act crazy in a room for an hour (laughs) so um so yeah that but that was what i was kind of clinging to in the world of old bond uh was that Okay, That's so sort of let's last-minute madness. <laughs>
1: let's talk about this in terms of uh, World of Old Bond. What do you think of Rami Malek? Uh,
0: I, I mean, he's he's probably the, the 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 focal point of what I don't understand, like how I'm supposed to feel about this this movie. Okay, because. Everything about him suggests he's the villain of the piece, but but the fact that there's just there's no threat, there's no there's nothing particularly interesting. Like I don't, it's like total blank canvas for me. And uh, you know the the some of the some of the criticism I've seen of the movie so far, like that I've, I've been about, like what's this guy want? What is he doing? What does he want? And See, but he, he felt questions. more like
1: old-school Bond villain to me in that way of what he wants.
0: Well, he looked like Dr. No. Right. And, to again, to sort of bring this ball back to the books, the biggest literary pull that this movie has to the books is the Garden of Death, which appears in Ian Fleming's Only Live Twice. It's actually Mad Blofeld's Island and he's going under the name of Dr. Shatterhand, Dr. Shatterhand, which was the working title for this movie. Hmm. I mean, the, the you know, the fake title that they... Right. The, the blue, yeah, yeah, yeah. The blue I heart. think they've
1: used that fake title a couple of times, though, right?
0: No one use it, it was, often. Well, I mean, it makes sense here, because that's a direct lift, the Poison Island. The fact that it's somewhere between Japan and Russia and it's a disputed island, that's all... Um, in the book? That's all in you and Live Twice, so that's a big um literary pull and i mean aesthetically he was doctor no without being a racist caricature of a uh, an asian person mm-hmm. um not that i knew where he was supposed to be from um <laughs> so it it just it it felt it felt like what to i didn't i don't have very strong feelings about rami malek as an actor i've never particularly enjoyed anything he's done never disliked anything he's done mm-hmm. um so and I didn't really see where he fit into this movie, weirdly. Really? I mean, is he's just like Belloc, right? But not interesting? <laughs> That's the best I could come up with. Well, like, so... I'll you I'll and be... I are... The, like, when he said, you and I are the same person, I'm like, okay, I get that. Yeah. And he lets like he he sort of get and at some point in the movie he just gives up any advantage he has over bond it's like well of course you can defeat a villain who does that
1: right that was the only thing to me where i said
0: uh what's going on there that felt like uh whoever revised Danny because it was a courtesy about that
1: it was a courtesy that madeline's father never gave him or his family letting her child go
0: which all happens off screen and uh, maybe that's why I'm so confused about it and it's uh-huh. alluded to in ways that like no one has the same story about what happened and maybe that's part of the ambiguity that makes this a better movie but <laughs> <laughs> it's a bomb movie i mean you 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 ambiguity should be like short measures of ambiguity
1: to make the formula work so what i liked about rami malik was i liked like, I liked having the disfigured villain back in our midst, and I liked... He's never gone away! <laughs> Have you no, but I, but I mean...
0: Uh, who, was, who was the last one? Blofeld. It, I, Christoph. Igon.
1: Yeah, but not at the beginning. Like, that happens in Spectre.
0: <laughs> that's, how, that's how badly you're defending this movie. I'm getting you to defend Spectre as well.
1: I know. Spectre, too yellow.
0: (laughs) Go on, you were saying nice things about Remy Malek.
1: Well, what I liked about him was it felt like an old school throwback of, uh, I want to do this shit to the world, but I have this, um, I've built up this altruistic thing in my mind about why we need to do it. I wish he had uh, either made the choice as an actor Or had been driven to uh, make him a little bit more fun, though, and like lean into,
0: uh, you know, a maniacal kind of. That's what really disappointed me about just just hearing that he'd been cast was like. But here's here's some here's something You, you, you mentioned comedy now, so I think we can we can go on to this. There's a lot of comedy in this movie. Mm hmm. Does it work for you? Usually I will say I thought the quality of puns had gone up a level. Uh-huh. And it's hard not to read the influence of Phoebe Waller-Bridge in there.
1: I was going to so I was going to bring this up, but um it might be a longer conversation. Should we take one more break and come back? Sure. All right. Let's do that. Everyone, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and we'll I have a feeling this might be a four segment, but (laughs) at least conversation. Well, that would
0: be true to this movie.
1: Yeah, stay... (laughs) One more segment
0: than you expect. God damn it.
1: Stay tuned and we'll be right back after this.
0: They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sheriffs guiding you up a foamy headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer.
1: And we're back. All right. Tom, I'm uh when right before we went to break, you were bringing up Phoebe Waller-Bridge, yes, which I'm very excited about because I, like you, was trying to determine what influence she had, where she was writing, and what was her contribution. I mean, what? Where do you lie? Do you? Uh, I'm having an OCD freakout.
0: <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. Um. Well, I'm in, two, I'm in two minds. I have a feeling that most of the, most of the comedy of the movie... Um, it lies somewhere between the bits of, of the Danny Boyle script that they decided not to exercise and right. her contribution. And I'm still not sure... Like, knowing that there was a Danny Boyle script which was lighter in tone, more sort of self-spoofing as Has been reported, mm. and also knowing Phoebe Waller Bridge and what you know, uh, stuff like killing Eve and fleabag alike, right? It could because sort of, I it, thought it could fall into either camp, but I, I mean,
1: so I was thinking like you were thinking, but then I started to think, did she have her hands in that cold open? Is she did no, she bring no. the familial aspect? james and madeline into this story spoiler alert there's a child
0: that child was too well behaved for a phoebe waller bridge child <laughs> like if you've seen killing eve whenever a child turns up they're a little shit, and possibly right. a murderer and there was no sense of that no i mean when 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 the child when the spoiler spoiler alert james uh, uh james bond has a a child uh, but that I was think, a joke I, think... I
1: liked too. When she says it's she's not yours, and he he says, "But the blue eyes." I mean, she and goes, she says, "She's but not she's yours. lying,
0: right?" Yeah. No wonder he thinks she's a big liar. She lies about <laughs> something like that. Um. <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm gonna, i have got to you you know I'm gonna bring up Twilight when we talk about that. You know, <laughs> there's a big melodramatic misunderstanding that drives this entire movie, and I'm a little weird that you're okay with it, given what you've said about the entirety of Twilight. Anyway, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I actually thought it was the, the use of the use of the addition of a daughter was much more straightforward. That it was like pure James Cameron, Terminator, Two, Aliens. It was like mm-hmm. easiest shortcut to see this guy in a nicer light.
1: But all I'm saying is, do you think that that would come from anybody who's been writing, because there's like two guys that have been helping out writing Bond movies think, for the last 20 years or so?
0: I It's not not because of that. But yeah, it seems unlikely, except that I know for a fact that this is a, a storyline they've been trying to get in since Casino Royale. Okay. All right. But that's just behind the scenes information. Um, from the beginning um from like the beginning of daniel craig's tenure there was two kind of like storylines they kept trying to get in one was that he had a bad like a black sheep brother Lofeld. done <laughs> the other one was that he would like be looking after a child i think it was supposed to be like uh, an adopted child but i mean that's clearly right and it they just it like it wasn't a smart it wasn't like a smart enough representation of a child. In the way that I know Phoebe Waller Bridge would do. And I just thought it's straight James Cameron. Like, this is what you do when you want to sentimentalize your lead character. Yeah. Uh, But I saw, I definitely. But I thought that worked. It did sentimentalize him. Well, I'm eating apple slices, so I obviously didn't hate it that much. There
1: you go. I like that he's cutting her apple slices, but then you see him like. He's
0: a bit of a story problem, though, Mike. (laughs) <laughs> i mean i never you know, when you see Terminator 2 and aliens you don't think that john connor and to are story problems in the same way that i thought like like i actually don't have to do much to those movies it, but you right. have to do a yeah, lot yeah, yeah, here yeah. because it's never yeah. happened like not even an inkling of it.
1: i was gonna say isn't that more doesn't that have more to do with the fact that we've never seen a child
0: before Apart from the one that he pushes into the the river in Thailand in *Man with the Golden Gun*, that's his. I think that may be the only other child. I mean, there's all the child, children on the beaches with the balloons going you know, all that yeah. sort of shit. But and um, second, he's like he holds out money and then Roger Moore pushes him in the water, which he, right. which I mean you know you know the story probably from my show, but you always felt bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> especially when he started becoming a unicef when he became a unicef ambassador <laughs> in the, he, in the great he came
1: in he came into that job just saying let me say up front
0: i mean it was actually a big, it I was want a to big apologize. thing. because it was things like uh, we're not here to talk about roger moore but i'll i'll do that to any conversation of course you will <laughs> uh it was a it was one of the turning points where you know he said to the writers i am not sean connery you cannot have me do these things in the movie. I do not want to play this guy this way. Like, I don't want to be slapping women on beds. Like, mm-hmm. I, I want to be my Bond. Spy I Love Me comes out, and you see that they've taken his notes, and, like, they're right. doing a like, yeah. So it was actually a kind of... That led to a sentimentalization of the character, but, like, it's the... Well, most, let me so, ask you this. Yeah, it's, it's, like, the worst moment in any of the... In the like, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: like, I think consensus-wise, a lot of people are saying Daniel Craig is, if not the best Bond, he's equal to Sean Connery or right below him. Where does he lie for you?
0: I've ne- I've never really been on board with his repre- rep- uh, representation, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um,
1: so let me ask you
0: this. Is I that prefer- because... I mean, I... There are things that I've seen Daniel Craig in. That I absolutely love him in, and ab- yeah. apart from some of Casino Royale, where I think he's not decided how he wants to play the character yet, I've never really. There's something missing. There's just something missing for me. And that's well, let me ask you this though. I think like he's. Uh huh. He really in the you know he he kind of he's. Hide his nail to the post in terms of how he's playing this guy. And there's nothing wrong well, with that. Well, what I
1: always have appreciated about him, and we've talked about this before, say in the Batman series, he's never ever playing the idea of James Bond to me. When Pierce Brosnan orders his martini, he's going to say, shaken, not stirred.
0: That's... You, that's, that's the license to kill she's saying that because the guy doesn't speak english and that's not bond well shaken
1: not stood no 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 no, say no. It like that pierce Brosnan has a couple of moments where he says it just like that because he's playing james bond
0: just because you like this movie don't like golden eye any less
1: I'm not, I don't, I love it. I, I'm saying I don't have a, pro, like, because I love Pierce Brosnan as a Bond. Yeah, I do too. But what I'm saying is what's different about Daniel Craig is when he orders his martini, he's literally just telling the bartender what he wants.
0: It's, I, I know too much cinematically and literarily to know that that's, it's not his, that's not him. He's based that off other people. But anyway. What do you mean? Well, that's like Timothy Dalton throwing away the first Bond James Bond in yeah. Living Daylights. And that's line for line from Casino Royale, the book, so. What is? That moment you're talking about where he's like... Oh, you mean in this movie when he says Bond Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Didn't, I, I didn't get, I didn't get that. I, I absolutely don't mind him. I just, he will never quite jibe as Bond for me. I think he's an excellent okay. actor. I think, I think he this is what, what I, I meant about, you know, the sort of like the end of school feeling, I suppose, of, of like, <laughs> like, I can see that once he realized he didn't have to do Bond much longer it kind of released some kind of weird energy in him. That's, and that's how he's playing this movie. And I prefer that to him, you know... I think his worst performances are in the last two movies, where he just seems totally checked out. Um, but... It's, curi- it's curious. And like I say, some of it works, some of it doesn't. Often I feel like there's just a... In this movie specifically, there's a misplaced energy in some of the scenes. And like the interrogation scene, I think he should have taken a different track. Um... It's, it's more on the film. Wait, wait, wait. In- I'm trying to remember which. Uh, With not the is- interrogate, the Blofeld scene. Oh, okay. It's. Because
1: you said interrogation scene, and I went immediately to Spectre. I was <laughs> like, oh, wait, 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 wait. That's Spectre. Wait, wait. I thought you meant when he gets interrogated.
0: And, you know, at some point I thought, you know, Timothy Dalton gets a bad rep for not doing the puns properly, but sometimes Craig's pretty bad at it, too. You mentioned the puns earlier. I mean, the, the, as written, those puns right. are fantastic. Some are yeah, my right. favorite for years. They've yeah. clearly been honed and worked on by someone who understands comedy. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge was behind it. Um, oh, we were talking about Phoebe Waller-Bridge, weren't we? Um,
1: but I also noticed that sometimes there'd be... Maybe I'm remembering this wrong. Wouldn't there be like a pun and then like a secondary small pun? Yeah. Yes. OK. And uh, to me, it was like that's when because nothing else in this movie is winking at the audience. And so those felt a little out of place. Those secondary. It depends what,
0: it depends what you mean by winking, because, you know, there's this there's. there's... Again, I was really taken aback by how much Honor Majesty's Secret Service there was in here. Uh-huh. Like <laughs> you know, the mu- the the theme. Yeah. The Louis Armstrong version of the theme. <laughs> dialogue. And you know, I'm I'm gonna call this a literary pull too, because, you know, the movie is the movie of Honor Majesty's Secret Service is so closely modelled on the book. I'm going to say it's a dual literary filmic. as did you see that there was a there was a Q&A, like an online Q&A that the Guardian newspaper held with uh, Daniel Craig. And you know who asked the question? Mm-mm. George Lazenby. He wrote in a question <laughs> for Daniel Craig. Ah, and it was about Honor it. Majesty's Secret Service. It's like, how did you feel doing like a, a Bond movie that was inspired by the books more than the films like I did? Did you enjoy putting all this ambiguity into the role like I did? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was something like that. But um, that, that was really... So, you know, you pointed out that, that uh, you know... Because that movie is so closely modelled on the book, you're essentially pulling from the books, right? In the same way Casino Royale did. Um, so there's that kind of winking. There's the Robert Brown. There's the Dalton Aston Martin. There's the um, uh, the gun barrel in the tunnel. Yeah. Um, I, I I saw the inf- I saw the influence of Phoebe Waller Bridge as well in in just. Past the cold open, like the 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 beginning proper of the movie, that mm-hmm. scene in the um in the laboratory felt like it was straight out of a Killing Eve episode. Right, with right. The, um...
1: Well, especially uh, the scientists at the beginning.
0: Yeah. What do yeah. you think about him? He's a comic. He's a Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say he's 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 Jar, Jar. <laughs> I mean, apart from um, Rowan Atkinson in Never Say Never Again, we've never had a character this... A sustained character who's in all of the movie. I mean, you know, there's the guy on the beach in Spain looking at his bottle of beer going, Ooh! But this -hmm. is like a major character in the movie who is, like, outwardly farcical. Yeah, but... I, Well...
1: I, yeah, you're right. I just, um. Jar Jar's not pejorative, especially coming from me. <laughs> well, it should be. It should be, but it's not. <laughs> like, what's the matter with you? But, but you I got, know me, it's not. I, ha- I, I have to admit that I, um, that's the thing about this movie is that, because I got a very Alan Cummings, or Alan uh, Cumming vibe from Goldeneye.
0: You're right, yeah. You know? Why do I like that, but I didn't like this?
1: Right, exactly. Um, but I think it has to do with tone, because it feels out of place in this movie. I agree. He feels out of place in this movie.
0: Yeah, I um, mean, when the comedy doesn't work, it's because it feels like someone's gone through the script and put in funny bits, mm-hmm. because they thought there weren't enough funny bits in the movie, and, oh, God, we forgot to put comedy in any of the Daniel Craig movies. You know, it's like <laughs> someone. came up like we gotta, we've gotta put like some jokes in this one, and right. when on the level of puns, it seems to work. Some of the camp humor, especially connected with Q, works. Yes, but for some, but this, and I like that opening scene in the lab. Uh, and and you know, I breathe a sigh of relief. We still haven't talked about how I felt about the cold open, but I know I was I, like. I, I breathe... I breathe. We're a,
1: we're I, over an hour in and we haven't talked about the cold open yet. That was just my so
0: so we clear. That was my first sigh of relief was like, Oh yeah, Living Daylights, Goldeneye. This is how they begin. Okay, okay, maybe it'll be okay. Maybe it'll be okay. Um And it would have been, but then the genius of those well I suppose not Goldeneye, but the genius of the Living Daylights is that those characters just they, they they're in one scene and then we move on. Um so they should have just killed them all off. Right. Gotcha. I think Boris is different because he's a different he's like a, a different version of a henchman. And he's mm-hmm. just the best version of one of those tech people that you get throughout the Brosnan era. And all of them yeah, right, right, him right, are right. terrible. But yeah. Boris is actually kinda of quite good. Um and Alan Cumming Alan Cummings not playing it for laughs in the same way this guy is. Oh, I don't know. But I don't know what this guy's character is in the same, like, I know, like, I understand Boris, like, he's motivated by vanity, but this guy is just babbling away, literally anything that's coming into his mind.
1: Well, this guy,
0: to is me, just cowardice? seems like... He, uh, he, is Is he...
1: To me, he's a patsy. Brave?
0: Yeah. To me, he's a patsy. He felt like a Doctor Who character, is what he felt like to me. <laughs> like a Doctor Who scientist.
1: But I also like the idea of... Because we've been kind of building up. I mean, if you know James Bond lore and you know about Spectre and then we have the movie Spectre in this series. And so you build up this thing and this idea about this worldwide organization that knows everything that that, uh, you know, will demolish you if you even try to get near them. And then you have this idea of uh, uh, I just like the idea of an evil genius who gets over on them. (laughs)
0: That's cool to me. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, again, I think it's been a big problem of this series. They kind of, they've always wanted to keep the last villain in focus. Mm. In every, yeah, movie. right, 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 By right. Then, it's like, they feel like they have an obligation that, that no other Bond film has, has ever had, right. To kind of like, well, we've got to deal with the ramifications of, of the guy from the last movie. And like, no, mm-hmm. no, you don't, you don't have to. It just makes... Well, me... and
1: by the time you get to Spectre, it's like, hey, they were all working for they were the same guy. But
0: this yeah. is a little bit like that that too. It's like... It's like... I like that what, we were out of that. Why is there so that? much Spectre? Like, I mean, I know they got the rights to it, so they feel like they have to use it. Like, hard-won legal battle to get the rights to Spectre. So I understand right. why they've gone back to it, but, like... Spectre, you know, like I assumed Spectre was over, and I was fine with that. That seems like a mm-hmm. natural end point for Spectre when Blofeld goes to prison. And let's say they have to work pretty hard for him to be still running Spectre via his bionic eye. Yeah. <laughs> implanted in some kind of uh, boy band member. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I loved it. I loved it as a, like, you know, one of my favorite lines from the movie is, uh, Blofeld's bionic eye is unlocked. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. But it's it's crazy. I like again, it wouldn't pass screenwriting school, would it? It's like, how are you gonna bring Blofeld back into the fold? Well, uh, what do you, how do you feel about a? You remember the, You remember the show Six Million Dollar Man? <laughs> <laughs> it just it seems like like the screenwriters have sort of burdened themselves with a continuity that doesn't need to be there sometimes. Hmm. It, it, it reduces the amount of screen time for Rami Malek and that whole storyline, which I really needed more of to kind of understand who this guy was and what it was indeed he wanted. All right. so that's really all I need to know about a bomb villain. It's like, what motivates you and, and what's your plan? Yeah. And once you have those two things in place, the, the, the ball just keeps rolling from there.
1: All right, well let's let's talk about the cold open because you keep fucking referring to it. So why don't you at least tell me what is your problem if you have a problem with it's the cold, cold open, It's not
0: cold open, Mike. It's not <laughs>
1: cold open. All right, fine. Um, you know what my response is? I, I don't, don't care. fucking
0: care. <laughs> oh, you added a fucking it now. Very yeah. good. Oh, that's the other thing. I do not like him saying fuck. Do not like oh, that. Y- oh, you no, didn't no, like no, that? No, 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 no. I nearly threw up my popcorn when I heard him say, "For fuck's sake!" <laughs> it's the head of the secret service. That must be the British in you that's so offended. I mean, yeah, I'm, I don't know why. I mean, I swear, like a you know, like a docker, but. Just to hear hear M saying, for fuck's sake. It's like when they do it... I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's like when they do it in Star Trek. Because now they're on Paramount+. Plus, gotcha. They can say fuck and shit and all that sort of stuff. And it really bothers me. I really <laughs> think Gene Brodenberry did not have this in mind. Like, that kind of language in mind. From Picard. From the admirals in the Federation saying, you know, I'm done with your shit. This is not... Yeah. Um but that's not what we're talking about. So here's a weird thing, like one of my big trepidations going into this movie, because I'd seen in the trailer the uh, him stopping in the tunnel and turning and shooting. Right. Was that they were gonna forego a gun barrel and do that instead. As they did in Casino Royale. Gotcha. Didn't even then in the next couple of movies the gun was at the end for reasons I still don't understand. Right, and then they reintroduced it for Spectre, which hypnotized a lot of people into thinking it was a good movie, including me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, seriously, it really did because it just felt like a real thing—the real thing. Yeah, um, but no blood. Right. They, so when I saw the gun barrel I don't like, remember
1: Spectre does Spectre have Spectre had yeah, the blood coming down right
0: horror, like, like some Klingon blood or something it looks like. okay um, but in this
1: one it's like white out kind of and then we go to a map or whatever I forget but
0: they had a really like a really traditional gun barrel opening yeah more tra- actually more traditional than we've seen uh, so I was like oh you know like this is very reassuring it's like oh okay so they're not going to... Like, that was that was literally... I was going into it going, I hope they don't do the Casino Royale thing again where they think they can get away with not doing a gun barrel if you see him, like, uh, do something like a gun barrel in the... Play. Right. Um, but, but then, once the cold open was going on, I was like, I think it's... That, that was a promise that they didn't keep. Because if you do a gun barrel, then you've got to do a real cold open. and And this is a a short film. Yes. Um, but with, uh, with I think three, what I like three was... plus action sequences within it. Yeah. And again, the first thing I'm thinking is, the world is not enough. They did it then, it didn't work. Why do they think it's going to work now?
1: And Worked that was for about me. half
0: the length of this. Worked for me. It just, it was, I was just, yeah, I, This is what I mean about, we've talked on this podcast a lot, I have no problem, sequels should subvert formula. I think that's part of what they do. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to do that, you have to replace it with something that is equally good storytelling.
1: You don't find good storytelling in this, in both the cold opens? Not for what it is.
0: It's a, it's a, it's like a... What do you mean
1: for what it is? Well, you be... mean as a cold open?
0: It's a, it's a love story strung together with some bungee jumping and, and car chases. <laughs> one of those sequences is perfectly fine. Pick one. Move on. Tell us the story another way. When Madeline appeared later on in the movie, I thought, wow, it would have been way better if we didn't know the information that we got in this cold open. That would be so much more exciting story if we didn't know why they broke up. Alright, I mean... It's what I want from a Wes Anderson movie. It's not what I want from a Bond movie.
1: But I love him putting her on the train. But
0: why? Why do you like that and you don't like the stuff that happens in Twilight? It's the same. He has no reason to suspect her no reason no
1: i think he does have reasons i mean he shell shops because but
0: obviously like what kind of world are we in where you know vespers grave blows up and he's like it's that madeline i was like no it's fucking obviously fucking blofeld because he's blofeld <laughs> and she's your lover <laughs> stroke wife or whatever they are they get married. I don't know. Yeah, but they already
1: established that she has secrets and that she's keeping things from him. And because of what happened to him before, his natural instinct is to just but say, just "All come right, come out that's of it." The
0: end of Spectre, where Blofeld has been like manipulating his life. For <laughs> twenty fucking years, and his suspicions go straight to the woman who has like been nothing but a loyal ally to him since he first met her. I just I mean, it made like it's melodra right it's melodrama. I don't well, think, I think that has to make sense. It's a big misunderstanding, but yeah. it plays such a huge part in the movie, I just think it's bad storytelling. And there are individually good action sequences in this even if they you know i'm not i don't feel good about them starting with a flashback again we've never seen that before i don't want that to become a thing in these movies to have flashbacks in them you know i like seeing wallace and gromit but whatever that that was you know um (laughs) but i would have taken that if that was the cold open because that makes sense uh-huh. cold opens are short and because they're a teaser they're not a self-standing movie with three acts <laughs> i get so i tell you there's a show on paramount plus called the good fight and i get so irritated they have 50 i thought you'd hate this too they have like 15 minute 20 minute cold opens they're a 40 minute episode that's not a cold open that's half your episode if you're gonna do that put your time like before. i said
1: You're not wrong about anything you're
0: saying. I don't fucking care. Well, I nearly walked out. Oh my God, come on. Halfway through the cold open, I nearly walked out because I thought, ah, right. Somewhere in the car chase? Well, it's just I thought, like, if the movie can get this part of it wrong, what hope is there? And that's not how it turned out. Actually, as it went on, I thought, this movie's got better bones than it let me ask you this. Front. Yeah.
1: Let me ask you this. If the song came right after the flashback and then we moved on, does it change your mind?
0: Any of those, individ- only of those sequences that work perfectly well as an individual unit could have been the cold open. I would have been perfectly fine mm. with any of them. But not all, all right. of them strung together in a three-act narrative structure. <laughs> that lasts how long was that cold open it's a good 20 minutes yeah at least the only one that comes close is the world is not enough yeah and that's that's terrible and that was that was agreed upon terrible like the first yeah, I, time I, they ever I, tried didn't to you do say
1: that. there's didn't you say that the first part of that movie is as good as any james bond no, movie on the 20th day.
0: Don't, 21st century? No, I hate that. I hate that movie probably of all the Brosnans the most. Okay. Um, But... So I just... Oh,
1: you said World is Not... You said World die, is Not Enough. I was thinking Die Another Day. Sorry. No, all right, I'm talking all
0: right. about World is Not Enough. Yeah, okay. They do exactly the same thing. Like, they have a perfectly good cold open, but they just keep going. <laughs> and that's, like... It made it harder for me to... Like, that's the other thing is, like what's great like you when you have a big action moment in a cold open you want it to sort of stand by itself you don't want it to be swallowed up by story and you know having to work out what's going on and and who's saying but what. shouldn't a sequel subvert <laughs> yes but it has to replace it with something that did. is as legitimate as the thing it's replacing and the bomb cold open is a, like it's a tradition that works because it works so you, you i mean even <laughs> so this is the thing and this is what like you know anyone can throw back at me anyone can uh, like throw back this at me which is that you know oh you say on your majesty secret service is uh, your favorite bond film how is this any different right in terms of subverting formula because mm-hmm. The bones of that movie are still, we want to deliver everything you would get in a Bond film. We just don't want to do it exactly the same way as we've been doing it for the past couple of movies. Including breaking the fourth wall? Right. Well, that's, I mean, that happens a lot. (laughs) In Bond movies. What? Get the fuck out of here. So, but, you know, it's like, I don't get When I watch *Honor, Majesty's Secret Service, I think, yeah, that's interesting. That's that's experimental. It, it feels like a, a late sixties movie that's trying to mess with conventions, but it also feels like a like a legitimate Bond movie because it respects and understands that uh, you have to you have to deliver on the same terms. I'm talking just about the cold open here. Over the over the whole movie, as I say, I'm conflicted. But in that, I understand. Open, I think, I think they they shit the bed. Not it for al- me. It also felt like that, because it, did, it didn't feel to me like this was purposeful. It felt like the, the, that it got away from them. Because it, it, felt like, it felt like, how much longer could this possibly be? And I was like, <laughs> oh, they want to get to this point of the story before the credits. By the way, please tell me you don't like the theme song. I couldn't even I don't even describe it as a song. It's noise. I I liked it better than Spectre's
1: song. (laughs) I really didn't like Spectre's song. It's a
0: worse example of, of what's bad about that Spectre song for me. I you could you could hum it from start to finish now and I would not be able I would not remember it. Guaranteed. Same
1: for Spectre for me. I like this one a little more than Spectre, but I wish that because normally when I hear, I forget her brother's name. What's her brother's name? Billy Eilish? Don't, no, know. don't care. Anyway. <laughs> uh, what I like uh, generally about their music is is so many songs just feel um, so unique and like nothing I've ever heard before. And this wasn't that. So I wish they'd done something like that.
0: What about Hans Zimmer? How do you feel about his because it's his first
1: Bond movie oh man well cause uh, like not well I don't know if I want to are we should we start talking about the end of the movie
0: whatever yeah I'm, I'm good well hang on let's
1: let's take a break okay that's fine we're gonna take a break and then we'll come back and let's talk about Hans Zimmer how about that sure alright right after this Today's episode is brought to you by the Sounds in Cinema podcast. If you like podcasts like I do, boy, do I have a treat for you. You need to stay on target and check out the Sounds in Cinema podcast. Listen as your host, sound designer and music creator, Tony Parham, and co-host, musical performer and sound lover, Derek Hansen, D-Rock If You're Nasty, and I am, discuss all things sound-related to film, television, stage, and theatrical productions. They discuss environmental sounds, bioacoustics, dialogue, the nature of communication through sound, but as an added bonus, they drink beer and try to... Stay on target. Find them wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the pure mania of a man who can charitably be described as Doug the dog from Up, and another man with a soothing and sultry voice trying to get that man to... Stay on target. That's the Sounds in Cinema podcast. Tune in and listen to the sounds they are creating just for you. And we're back. All right. So, Tom, when we left, you were asking me about Hans Zimmer. I really liked the score to this movie. Hmm. Oh, do I, do I, can, I t- can I take it you disagree then?
0: Um. Again, I, I'm conflicted. Because the end I, of this movie
1: had me in tears.
0: Oh, God. Well, if you go by the ending of uh, You Only Live Twice, he's still alive. He just fell in the sea and lost his memory. So I'm still counting <laughs> on that. Um. Uh. Literally, that's how it did. The, the this movie and you only live twice, the book end the same way, except you know, there's a there's a postscript in which he, um, like becomes a Japanese fisherman.
1: So he uh he has a uh uh <laughs> uh die hard three kind of survival yeah where the where the boat explodes. So with a vengeance,
0: yeah, he returns. All right. the, so I, I, I really did expect there to be like a, a like a post-credit scene where he washes up on the shore, and like a Japanese, uh, fisherwoman like, uh, rescues him and tells him that, you know, so is so in love with him that she tells him he's, you know, her lover or whatever. Whatever happened to them, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> clearly, they were not interested in that. Uh, so I'm conflicted. I, I read an interview with Hans Zimmer, when he, uh, which was him talking about the Bond music, and he definitely has a lot of respect for the authenticity of Bond music. Well, not the authenticity, the, the, the uniqueness of it. And I know mm-hmm. a big part of his process here was to keep as much of the Bond theme... Yeah, one style of music intact as possible. But I feel like whenever he was departing from that and doing his own thing, and I feel this generally about Hans Zimmer music, it sounds like a child operating an instrument. Like it's like do do do. Like if you put a xylophone in front of me, I'd make much the same noises that he makes. Like <laughs> one note, two note, three note, na 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 na. na dark night, score. Um, You're crazy. So, didn't it didn't do much? I thought like he did a good job interpreting the Bond style, but whenever it sounded like Hans Zimmer, it was like it could have been The Dark Knight, it could have been whatever. Um, so, that's how I that's uh, that's kind of how I felt about it.
1: All right. Um. Well, let's. Yeah. Go. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so I mean, we should, we should talk about the end of this movie, shouldn't we? Yeah. Because... We just talked about the opening, so let's talk about the ending. I know, I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, I guess the only thing we haven't talked about sort of in between, because we've been jumping around, but we haven't really talked about uh, Anna de Armas, who's in this movie for a couple minutes.
0: Well, more, than, more importantly than that, yeah, I, I, I don't think she warrants much discussion, she's seems like a total afterthought to me um Mm -hmm. we should talk about 007
1: oh yes we should fuck we haven't discussed 007 at all
0: well well i mean what do you think
1: uh i thought she was great
0: yeah i gotta say i've phenomenal I, I i love the i love the idea i loved, obviously you know it makes me feel good as a human being to have yeah black female british as 007 007 but beyond that i i thought it was it was written well it was never intrusive right um, that's
1: i it felt very seamless to me and the dynamic between her and bond was fantastic right as well to me
0: uh you know i love i love how she was introduced how she was pretending to be jamaican how she mm-hmm. had the the wig like um Rosie and uh in live and let die
1: yeah but i like that she takes it off because she knows that he's
0: not yeah. a fool and that he knows and that i mean that's the the other the other part of it is she feels like part of the movie that is trying to you know tone down the the womanizing aspect of of the movie because he you know part, he doesn't sleep with anyone but madeline Right. And I think that's the last time that the last time that happened was um Living Daylights I think where he, like only sleeps with one person and that was Right. A very aids focused uh, mm-hmm. rewrite. But this seems more this seems more organic like it you know like seducing him is a good way to get him to to get him into the bedroom but when you're in the bedroom it's all business. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh
1: when you're in the bedroom, it's I'm going to shoot you in the knee—the one that works.
0: Um, so I, I, thought, I thought she was a great addition. I felt slightly, again, I, I felt conflicted about the moment where she gave back her double O seven status. I feel mm-hmm. like that was for the, you know, that was for the misogynists in the audience. Right. That was, which, you know, is a—you can't say that's not a traditional Bond thing, you know. Uh, that's what they like to do. They like to make feminist statements and walk them back. That's like how Bond movies have always worked. Right. But it wasn't, it was like an, it was, it was a walk back that made sense in context because of what was going on in the drama. But I think you have to say that it was, it, you know, it was for the people in the room are still having trouble accepting a female Doctor Who, you know, and, uh, Yeah, right. And, you know, the, the sort of, jeremy clarkson loving james bond fan who's like you who feels that the idea of a black female 007 is too woke for them you know um but none of that it, it doesn't feel tokenistic at all it feels like yeah that's what i liked about it yeah uh and it was played really well and i love the fact that she the that, that um and you know i think she's absolutely stunning but i like that she wasn't that in the stunning in the Bond girl mode, it was like she has a fantastic body, but it's like not what we're <laughs> right. used to seeing. Yeah, and I just thought that was sort of like that was great. It's like really sexy, but also like not Bond girl, like like not Bond girl material. Right, and that's the film's fault, not you know, uh, not hers. But I love I love that aspect of it. Um, so yeah, that, that was I was a, a real. Success for me, apart for that slightly um, sexist note. But it's it's really interesting. Like I I, I kind of liked the... First of all, like, my favorite parts in the movie were all in, nearly all in Jamaica. Uh, mm-hmm. When he was... Because he's living the life of Ian Fleming. Yeah. And yeah, right. It's like, once you take away the gloss of James Bond, that Ian Fleming life is very sad and pitiful. <laughs> it's alone on his ranch in Jamaica, catching his fish. He goes into town in the evening, yeah, takes, he can't get his jeep started. It's like, oh God. <laughs> and I thought they really did that you know they really did that well. Like I really believed he was he'd just become a total hermit um, in the five years. Yeah, like I, I completely believed that aspect of it. So that all and the music was best in that part of the, the movie for me as well. I think I think it was a real mis, like a real misstep, given what they're doing on screen with diversity, not to have an artist of color for this movie. Mm. Especially, I mean, Billie Eilish is the most white sounding white person I've ever heard in music. <laughs> so I'd love to get like, given that some of this is in Jamaica and you've got a black female 007, it's like, right. I mean, I was still holding out that when they brought Grace Jones in. That it was for the music, not. I mean, she ended up not <laughs> not even being in the movie because she walked off set. But uh. I forgot about that. Yeah, Grace uh, Jones was supposed to be in the Jamaica scenes. I forgot about that. You're right. Oh, uh, now my now my braces have gone as well. So being gradually stripped away. Done. Yeah. Okay. I'll oh, let. I mean, uh, bo- are there any other Bond like significant characters? Bond allies?
1: Not really. No, I mean you know there's Money Penny and
0: Q and the Scooby Gang. But yeah, and I'm I'm fine with I've never had a problem with them being the the Scooby Gang. I thought I, I thought Q was quite was better written than than in previous movies. Mm-hmm. I like the little glimpses we get into. I I mean I always liked it with Desmond Llewellyn as well. These little glimpses you get into his life. Yeah. Uh, So it's like, you know, uh, just like him making dinner for you know, uh, making dinner at home. It's like yeah, yeah. It's like Desmond Llewellyn with the baguettes.
1: (laughs) Just just walking around. Touch of
0: the domestic, you know, and he has his tea in a special drawer. Yeah, I liked it. It That's good. I think Ben Winshaw's Winshaw's great as well. Okay, good. And I didn't like I didn't like M swearing, but I I was fine with everything Rafe Fiennes was doing.
1: Because you said before that uh, you're not a huge fan of Ray
0: Fiennes. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. All right. Yeah, I'm fine with him. I don't like how they keep calling him Mallory. <laughs> you're either M or you're not. You can't be somewhat M. You can't just have a name that begins with M, even though that's what M is. <laughs> well, are you o- are
1: you okay with uh uh ending of your book put aside? Are you okay with the idea of James Bond being killed?
0: Yeah, I mean, it it makes sense given how they started the series mm-hmm. with Daniel Craig, and if you're gonna, I suppose if you're gonna reboot it, the same logic applies to to ending the reboot, right? You. Uh, and that does have to be taken into consideration, you know. You can't be a Bond purist about that aspect of it, given the way that he started. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, though, that I do want... If that was the sticking point that made Danny Boyle leave the film, which has been reported that that was the reason why he left. Uh, I'm sure, listen, working with Bob Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, you know, it's like, <laughs> take your pick of uh, uh, uh. onset problems right but yeah that was reported as a big like they just couldn't get past that he was like no bun doesn't die it's the whole totally against but um daniel craig's bun can die i think <laughs> no i'd not not because i want not because i i you know want to move on but i mean in the logic of the series that that he's been a part of
1: yeah that's what i liked about it it like, it just seemed like wrapping a bow on his bond in a way that felt purposeful and appropriate. Yeah. And, again, like, him not being able to essentially ever see his wife and daughter again if he were to live. Um, The sacrifice of it. I don't believe you like that aspect of
0: it. Yeah. We, when we... <laughs> We did like four Twilight movies and every single time you were like, oh, well, this is too melodramatic. There's these, these big coincidences and, you know, this kind of like melodramatic storytelling. It's like, this is melodrama 101. This is the Romeo and Juliet poison. Wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. I like melodrama.
0: But what's, I That's mean,
1: different than Three's Company's misunderstandings. This is very Three's Company.
0: Get the fuck out of here. No. I mean, you know, his his little vial of nanobots, <laughs> which are not just for Christmas, um, that's a great line, um, that is, that's like, here's, here's, here's a story point in a vial, right? <laughs> I mean, but like the bizarre science aspect of this, I really like, but I was just like, That's a very targeted piece of technology that makes this story happen.
1: But what I like about it, too, is that, like, it was something M instituted. It was, you know, something he lost control of that he thought would help the monarchy.
0: (laughs) I'm a little bit fuzzy about that. What do you mean? a
1: targeted bioweapon I don't think that they lost
0: I don't I know I know that you know we all hate people in authority in government now and that's fine (laughs) and true and closer to reality that these people uh, you know can't see the forest for the trees when it comes to um, national security, but I don't know that M M should be kind of above reproach for this for, for Bond to work. I think, or at hmm. least we shouldn't we shouldn't know so much about what is what M's up to. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It it all it all felt it felt again. It was like it felt. It was just getting from A to B here. Like didn't really affect anything that it that M had created it. he's still gonna do everything the same. Well, no, because it was repurposed. But, but how well, how is he gonna do anything? How is he going what orders is he gonna give that are different than if it wasn't?
1: Well, I think it it branched out to like uh, spread from person to person as opposed to just taking out the one person you can now So he'd take deal out. with it like
0: any other pandemic virus. Right? He'd deal with it exactly the same. Send 007 in. <laughs> yeah. Get Bond out of retirement. I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's what it, it's like. What's being affected here at the level of story? Maybe that's my problem. I'm focusing on story. And this movie is about emotion. And
1: it's definitely about emotion, this movie. Which... And that's
0: where it worked for
1: me the it most. It reminds
0: you how... It's really really interesting, like, for all that's been said about the Daniel Craig Bond movies, it reminds you how little that plays a part in the previous movies, relatively. Right, right, right. That's what get, I'm saying. When you get that cold open that's, like, full-on Italian melodrama, you know, like... Ah, like that it's like full on that um for 20 minutes or so you're like wow you know it's like you know that that one moment underwater in casino royale it's kind of it you know in terms of like (laughs) yeah genuine melodrama this movie this is what
1: uh this series his, his bonds and this movie in particular dares to do
0: It's a big, I mean, it's a big issue. What no other Bond movies do. Well, they do, but they keep it, like, they, they, it's always, it's never, like, even in On a Majesty's Secret Service, it doesn't interfere with the pleasures of the movie in the way that this one does. The fact that his wife dies in On a Majesty's Secret Service is something that happens at the end of the movie after we've got a, you know, a a Bond movie that's resolved itself. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's the driving force of license to kill, but everyone hated that. <laughs> so it's, in, it's just it's like interesting that you know we're straight in with with emotion at the beginning and it's like that's our through line for the movie right And it doubled- that's what I like about it.
1: <laughs> that's so funny that <laughs> we're discovering the things we appreciate. Yet again, both in this movie and movies in general, I suppose.
0: Well, that's the um, thing. Like, I I realize that 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 I I treat bomb movies separate from the rest of cinema. Uh huh. Maybe that that's the only thing that I'm now that I now feel certain of about this movie is that it's made me realize that that.
1: Well, and it's funny because you keep talking about, uh, you know, how I feel about this movie, and then in terms of, say, uh, the Twilight movies, you left me
0: no choice. Yeah, but they're, they're like I, they separate entities as well. Like but, the, but one the, mode of storytelling belongs in one and doesn't belong in another, at least traditionally. Tr- uh, traditionally, Even
1: but again, recently
0: traditionally.
1: But again. You know, that's that's an inversion that I really like for this movie. I I, I like that. I loved that. That's why I responded so much to this movie was the emotional weight behind it, even in a 20 minute long cold open. That's not a cold open. I understand. But. With everybody firing at his bulletproof car and uh, Cyclops, you know, taking his rifle and he's about to get her at just the close up on his face. And, you know, the the all right then or the OK then. And he's he's going to do enough to at least save her life and put her on that train and then never see her again. There's emotional weight behind that, whether it's right or wrong for him to do it, like uh, clearly he was in the wrong but that to me in itself is kind of interesting. And then along with that, you know, that, that is the sustaining through line throughout this whole movie.
0: Mm, yeah, it is. And, it's... and you have to either deal with that or suffer in silence like I did. Yeah. At the time.
1: Oh, I, I got on top of the wave and
0: wrote it. Yeah loved it i i just wanted uh we didn't talk about cyclops did you understand whose side he was on and whether he was in on the plan all along or just changed his mind did it matter didn't matter (laughs) i mean we've seen that before with jaws like Right, Jaws is like the servant to many, but masters, you're right in the but sense in that he's different movies, not like in the same movie, yeah. without really telling us that this guy's changed sides. You're well.
1: right in the sense that it feels like he's with Blofeld at the beginning of this movie, but he is
0: Blofeld. He's running Spectre. Well, right, as much as he's the human face of Spectre, he's like <laughs> you know in in the t- in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The, the body that Krang is in. <laughs> right? right? That's who he is. <laughs> that dopey looking big guy. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, fuck. I mean, it's, you know, it's... The, I, I, he was certainly a visually... More like a visually arresting henchman than we've seen in the Daniel Craig... Although I like Elvis in uh, Quantum Solace too. Um, but.
1: Uh, well, what'd you think of. I mean, this is a tangent, but uh, the giantness of Dave Bautista and uh, Spectre?
0: this is what I think. I think they—they they, this series has never been able to do Henchmen properly. Mm. Like, it's never really devoted enough attention to that. And this time they were. They still haven't solved the problem in like coming up with a Jaws or a right or a, you know Wint kitten Wint or you know something that on that level uh, where it's like becomes iconic and stays iconic. But you certainly won't forget how that guy looks, right? You won't forget. <laughs> you won't forget that giant bionic eye, or that haircut. Yeah. Uh, I suppose the only section of the movie we didn't talk about was Cuba. But does this? I mean, was that literally just a means to an end and to get some product placement for Blackwell Rum? Like, I mean, that that's how it read to me. And it's Heineken. so inconsequential. <laughs> Apart from all the stuff that happens at the party, but you could have had I was going to anyway. say,
1: like, I, I, all the stuff at the party is really fun. And I really liked, I liked the idea of, even though she's not in it much, but Anna DeArmas, I love the idea of like she finished her training in three days, or that's what she says, uh, yeah. and then and then goes on to prove to be uh, invaluable and a badass. And James, is like, well, I hope we get to do this again sometime.
0: I loved all of that. It's weird. It's I, something I find really unsettling about people not being straightforward in like the Bond movie. It's really weird when you don't know where anyone, everyone stands. It's not a nice feeling for me, and this is a kind of kind of what I like. I mean about, like everyone has a secret agenda, and see. But I always thought it's a little I'd weird love, uh, this, in a this, movie
1: this... about like in movies about spies. I always think it's weird that James Bond yeah. just often shows up without an, an alias, without an alias, and say I'm James it Bond. Doesn't
0: work as a spy f- story. <laughs> because you You know know where everyone stands
1: inspector inspector he just he gives him his gun and then says i'm here to
0: kill you yeah which will be difficult because i've given you my gun he says his name right and what he's doing to everyone to anyone who has (laughs) right exactly and I was just, you, I, I had a real problem. So with... I like
1: that uh, that these movies have at least a, a sh-
0: sh- little smidgen of espionage. Fair enough. I can't argue with that. Um, though it's, the fact that these are not espionage stories is what I like about them. But I, I, I can, you know, I get that. I just, there was, I didn't think they handled the idea of people being deceptive very well. So I breathed a sigh of relief when I thought that Matilda wasn't Bond's daughter. And then the fact that they never kind of like explained why she would lie about that and why we had to What do you mean? Like that isn't that obvious? Well, because he of kicked the kicked bl- her to the curb. Because of the blue u- what? That's why Yeah, but that to me is like, that was a, the reason I enjoyed that moment when she said she's not yours. It's like it takes Bond down a peg, but it it is hers. This is his kid. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, why? Don't do that unless you're gonna go through with it. I think. I mean, I, I don't know. There's a. There's like clean. This 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 movie lacks the kind of clean edges I like in Bond movies. I think that's a big thing. Like, I want I want to be transported from one scene to another. I don't want to feel like okay now I'm in the now I'm in the tuxedo. Fight 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 fight. Now I'm out of the tuxedo. See you Bond girl, and you know, and like (laughs) Moonraker's like that, and it's shit. (laughs) Um, but again, it's like. I, all, all the time, I was like, and again, I had more respect for movies like GoldenEye, where I'm like, God, GoldenEye's really like changing the formula without you noticing it. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie is changing the formula and wants you to notice that it's changing the formula. And I'm surprised that see, so I many don't know Bond that uh, see, i bored with it. I don't have that sense of it.
1: To me, it's not. I want you to know we're changing the formula. It's um, we're doing something different. For this last movie, and again, like, I don't care because I don't think the movie cares. We're
0: doing what we want with this one. And Daniel Craig definitely doesn't care. <laughs> he's He's been done with this franchise for a decade. Well... Which is not to say he's not putting effort in, but I find that I
1: I th- Yeah, because I would take exception to... Uh, how much effort he has put in because part of his agreement when, in coming back to this one was I'm not doing all the stunts because he's had like surgery on both knees, shoulder surgery. He has hurt himself. Oh, phys- is physical effort,
0: yes. But... Still
1: in pain from the last movie. And part of it was his wife, Rachel Wise, said, Go ahead and do it, but under these circumstances because I can't see you in that much pain anymore. Yeah. Which is perfectly reasonable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was. And, you know, I I, I don't know... I'd have to see it again to see what the ratio of uh, practical to CGI was, but I did notice some CGI Daniel Craig's in there. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And the...
1: I noticed one on the motorcycle.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, that was a deep fake, right? That was a real...
1: I, I think it was just a stunt actor.
0: Okay. I thought he had a digital face, but okay. Um... And the plane, that was disappointing, CGI. The little biplane. Oh, I thought it looked good. It was like Transformer. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: I also liked that. I liked that they like try to, you know, even though they clearly Malik knows that they they're there, but. I like the idea of stealthily trying to get onto an island, as opposed to just showing up at Blofeld's lair by Royals, Rolls Royce, because uh, you're picked up at a train depot in the middle of a desert, Rare. where everybody's just kind of putting on gentlemanly, yeah,
0: patter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm fi- Yeah, I'm fine with both versions. either put the effort in or you 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 know view to a kill style it's like you barely change your name you're basically the same person right Uh, (laughs) i'm fine i'm fine with um with both versions of that uh will you see it again i um i think that's a big yes right i mean it's more difficult you need to see it again as much as i do well
1: like, like my my first thought after i i saw it was like I would like to see that movie again but it's uh it like logistically it's more difficult to go see movies in the theater now because you don't have day shows anymore it's like there's a four o'clock and a seven o'clock and then they're done mm-hmm. um and with other stuff coming out <laughs> like, you know um and then I have to kind of gauge because a lot of this stuff's uh like I think every movie should be seen on a big screen, but because I don't have the time and because there's no day shows except on weekends. Yeah. Uh you know, I, I there are some things where I think okay, I'll watch it on HBO Max instead. Yeah. At home.
0: Well, I, I mean, o- October is a, October's a big uh franchise month.
1: Yeah. Halloween is coming out this Friday. June.
0: Um, we've already had The Sopranos. Right. So, I mean, you know, just, just to, maybe my experience of o- October is this because, you know, it's like I didn't even leave my house to watch The Many Saints of Newark, and, you know, I I think it was an entirely justified decision. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so I really wanted this to come through for me in a big way, and now I'm going into Halloween Kills, with nothing, with nothing apprehension. With the the real, it's like if this one doesn't deliver, how am I going to get to June, or not the month (laughs) June, the film, the movie June, right? Which is not going to be good. I'm, I'm, that was the one I sort of was. That was the one I was banking on not being good, but going and seeing and enjoying anyway. And now I think they all might be a piece of shit. Yeah. Um well, no. This, this isn't a, this isn't a piece come of Come on, shit, like it did not de- it re- I mean it did not deliver the kind of movie I wanted to see. And maybe that's my problem, not the movie's. Because it delivered for me a completely
1: different movie that I really loved.
0: Okay. That's fine. I'm glad I'm glad we're not I ne-
1: admire it for everything it does differently from other bond movies.
0: I'm so happy that you know you, can, you you've been able to cut through the gloom. <laughs> it's really if you if you would have had the same reaction as me this would have been interminable wouldn't it? <laughs> well, it, it wouldn't have been 2 hours long I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but I will I'll, def, I'll I will definitely I'll definitely see it again. I think um, I don't know. I'm I'm angry that the movie. <laughs> I'm angry that the movie is making me do that. But I'll get over that. Like <laughs> it's like I just there was there were honestly so many minutes where what was going through my mind was why are you making me think so hard about whether I like this or not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, go and see Tomorrow Never Dies. That's awful. Bye! You know, (laughs) Casino Royale. This is pretty good. It's so simple for me, usually. Right. But I came out of this going, genuinely. And I have heard a little, you know, I know there are people who do feel that way because I've seen, like, Facebook posts which are just, like, that, you know, the the emoji with the circle mouth. And, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. So it's definitely, I'm not the only person who's done that, but I do feel like I'm in a little, like... I feel like more people are like you where they were like, well, that's not what I was expecting, but I'll buy into it because that's what you're selling. Mm-hmm. But I was, you know, I was like fighting it on so many counts. It, if, if, if the cold open would work better. Like I said, like I, I got through most I got through most of Spectre without thinking this is this is horrible. Um, See, I—it's hard for me to of, understand how you did it, that. It, it was a—it was not a good cold open, but it, but it's sort of like, well, it's given me every, it's yeah, given me, you know, what I need to go on, like if like a video game, you know, I've got, I've got what I need in my backpack, you know, to go on. <laughs> and I really, I didn't have that, nothing in my, I didn't even have a backpack when we got to the end of, of the cold open for this movie. Uh, when we got to
1: the end of this cold open, I was.
0: I was I was, I was and the, like the audacity, the audacity, that's just, and it's also like the audacity to uh the the cheek to start <laughs> with like a traditional gun barrel then do like a 60s style title sequence but in the middle is like 2021 filmmaking yeah yeah, I know. That's I know. You're saying that's what you like about it. But to me, that's like barefaced cheek of like you promise one thing, you deliver another, and then you promise it again, and you don't deliver again. <laughs> It'll be interesting to definitely be interesting to see what um what it's like watching this movie without those expectations. Mm-hmm. Whether that will make a difference. Um. Yeah, I, I All right. don't, know, don't know what else to say, really. That's
1: it, I think. Yes. Well, you gotta know where we lie, people. I'm I'm a thumbs up. Tom is a thumbs sideways. Thumbs
0: sideways, yeah. No, literally that emoji.
1: <laughs> right. Well, for Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here. Of the How Dare You awards, uh, I don't know. What's your next? You I, you what's your I'll next deal. James Bond book club book?
0: Uh, it is Colonel Sun. The uh, next month we're going to be doing Colonel Sun by Robert Markham, which is the first fantastic non-Ian Fleming James Bond book. Written by uh, Robert Markham, who is a pseudonym for the author Kingsley Amos. All right, and it's a fascinating book, but I will tell you now: bit of a slog. <laughs> I, I was grateful for this interruption because I'm—it's a slog. There's a reason why Ian Fleming is the best at what he does. Just, do you know uh, who's is joining re-
1: you for for that book? Yeah. Um,
0: I won't say. that. Or do you want to save it? Yeah, I'll save that. I'll save. That. I'll save the guess. I do, I do know who it is, but. That commits them. It gives them the inability to back out if they want to. Okay, so fine. I, I, I won't do that. I'll tell you how I feel about the movie for using a quote from the movie. Go ahead. Palmal. You remember that? Say it again. Palmal. When, Mat- when Matilda, oh, yeah, is, yeah, Matilda okay. is given the, uh, the penknife. The- but right, apple slices which is a moment I actually really liked um, he says how is it and she says pal mal French for not bad yeah I think that's overall I feel like pal mal but, but, but like the French definition of pal mal which is like I have serious problems <laughs> <laughs> <What's> <laughs> but you'll get by on this <laughs> that was well, a great moment though that almost made the daughter storyline worthwhile that scene All right, good. It's t- exactly the sort of thing you get in a Fleming book: him cutting the apple up with the, with his penknife. Yeah, because he shaves That's... with a in the books. He just to tie it back to the books for the end. He shaves with a penknife, so, he, of course, he cuts apples with a penknife. There you go. All right.
1: Well, I'll let you take us out, Tom, for uh, your book club. Yeah. All there is left
0: to say is, the James Bond book club. We'll return. And so will everything sequel. Where are we? Oh, yeah. uh, when this comes out, where will we be at? We've just <laughs> we've just finished Austin Powers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of all things. Yeah. We could not have timed that better. Great, right? Yeah, and we're, we're moving into our special... Um, and we're up to 100 episodes. Yes, we when are. This, when this comes out, you'll be hearing around the same time you'll be hearing our 100th episode. So that's a great, a great milestone and a great series to to listen to before you watch and or listen to this. Exactly right. Fabulous. We couldn't have planned this better, <laughs> even though I'm just delaying this because I haven't finished reading it because it's a bit of a slog.
1: <laughs> All right. That's it, ladies and gentlemen, for Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Stay tuned. The uh, Everything Sequel Podcast and James Bond Book Club will be back. Say goodbye, Tom. I got nothing. God damn it. All right. So long, everybody.
0: (laughs) That was probably wrong. woo oh, I need to stop GarageBand.